The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. You're the best on that one. I swear to God, I was blushing and having a hot flash myself. <laughs> Is she suffering with low libido and all the others and then all the other things? She doesn't know. <laughs> That will require another human in your bed to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Other than my dog. <laughs> Let's just roll with the sex. <laughs> Leanne's sex life. I know how I'm starting or, the show. Or like. very lack or very lack of it. Broadcasting from her closet, high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. Menopause, and a more common term that you'll hear these days, perimenopause, sum up what's dauntingly known as the change in a woman's life that typically happens anywhere from her 40s onwards. For some, it can be a little bit earlier, and for others, it can be a lot later. But I think it's a little bit like breastfeeding in that it's supposed to be the most natural thing of your life. But natural doesn't actually speak to how uncomfortable, how difficult, and how painful it can be. While the natural levels of estrogen gradually decline, symptoms of hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, depression, irritability, lack of sex drive, and vaginal dryness are the most common perimenopausal symptoms. At this time, before a woman hits menopause, you know, this whole situation can dramatically impact the quality of her life. I read this quote recently, still to come, menopause because nature decided that pregnancy, labor, delivery, sleepless nights, stretch marks, and saggy boobs weren't enough. (laughs) (laughs) And that just made me chuckle, because it's like, you know, we've all been there. If you have had children, you you know, there's certain aspects of that that you have been through and some that others have not, but- Once I get off this uh, this podcast, I'm going to buy my wife flowers and say, I'm sorry. She's gonna gonna, (laughs) gonna look at me and go, what for? I'm just gonna say nothing. No reason. All of, all of it. Just, just for, all of it. Just for being you, darling. Just, yeah. Oh, you rock, Chris. Oh, well, menopause, generally talking about female hormones anyway, but in menopause, it seems a little bit of a taboo subject. It's somehow not really talked about or understood nearly enough. There's a lot of confusion understanding menopause, perimenopause, and even manopause because, yes, there is a change for men too. The change for women is a lot more than bypassing the feminine hygiene aisle at the drugstore because their menstrual cycle is ceased. Menopause can change so many things, like the physical appearance, as there is the term menopause belly for, unfortunately, a very good reason, and you can guess what most people hone in on. There's also the emotions. There's a bit of personality change or a lot of personality change that can go on, and these are all driven by the hormonal changes that are happening. Female hormones tend to get a pretty bad rap anyway, right? Those damn monthly PMS symptoms, 
like mood swings, monthly bloat, headaches, breast tenderness, change in appetite and sex drive. Well, we all deal with this from our teens onwards, some a lot worse than others, and only to move on to symptoms like hot flashes, really messed up sleep, changes in mood to a new level of unpredictability like extreme and sudden feelings of panic, anxiety, or even anger. No wonder everyone wants to hide and really not talk about this at all, but we're going to do it. So let's talk about perimenopause, about menopause and all that it brings. And gents, please don't shy away from this episode or this show, because this isn't only for the ladies listening, but it's also for you men out there who love us, who love all the women in your life. Those around us need to have a level of understanding to offer support and empathy, because I can tell you firsthand, this can be a hellish time of life. Today, I've enlisted the help of a very knowledgeable naturopathic doctor to talk all of this through. In the 1960s, hormone replacement therapy, or HRT, became the prescription of choice for menopausal women, seemingly easing the list of symptoms like those hot flashes, those night sweats, insomnia, depression, anxiety, irritability, lack of sex drive, and vaginal dryness. I feel like there's a tinge of shame to menopause, like women have to hide their experience and their feelings and just all of this that's going on. I mean, you can go from a well-balanced individual, one wondering before anyone else, if you've lost your marbles, because you're sort of rattling around in your head going, why do I feel this way? Why do I think this way? This isn't something that my mom talked about with me or my two sisters, or even I don't think we really tend to discuss this with my friends until someone mentions, oh, I've had hot flashes. And then you come back to back with your symptom, which may be something like anxiety or anything else that you've got going on. You know, I had a really odd experience and I wondered what was happening to me. Didn't know this was a thing. As I recall a few times getting on a plane and suddenly... This airplane looked like a really long metal tube that was about to take off and fly through the air, and I could not get off of it. For the first time in my life, I found myself scoping out like exit doors, having to listen to specific calming meditation, focusing on my breath that, ear, that eased my sheer panic of being stuck on a plane. And not being able to get out. It was so bizarre. It was like, it's actually, it was just terrifying. Such a terrifying feeling to have like the weight of an elephant on my chest, also making it hard to breathe. Now I've flown all over the place and this was a whole new thing for me and thinking, crap, am I not going to be able to travel anymore? This is really, really difficult. Now my mom, she was on HRT for eight years. So it's the menopause version of the pill. Let's just super, super simplify it. It is, they are HRT or hormone replacement therapy are synthetic hormones. And at the time she was recommended to take it, which is very common as you start and you end up with all of these symptoms, but typically you don't stay on it for that long. It sort of helps to ease and get you through things. Now, my mom being on this for eight years, you know, and her doctor every year going, oh, it's working for you. Okay. Just keep on going. You know, I saw things at the beginning of menopause, like her moodiness, her upset, her blah, but I didn't know that it was menopause. I myself was going through puberty and a teen, we 
had just moved to England when I was 15 and I had tons of issues as my, uh, you know, of my own <laughs> being teenager, new country, different accent. Now I got to go to school. I didn't even notice what on earth my mom was going through. But I do remember when my mom came off HRT. So essentially she stopped taking those hormone pills. It wasn't like a gradual thing either. So these pills, the HRT tends to ease those symptoms. And like I said, a bit like the pill. So when my mom came off of it, she ended up with every symptom possible all at the same time. Oh, wow. So they weren't like a gradual hot flash or a little bit of anxiety one month, but not the next or some moodiness. Nope. Full on hot flashes, anxiety, moodiness, weight gain. I, we didn't get to the sex drive and vaginal dryness, obviously, but all the other symptoms that she had, she got all at the same time. Poor woman. Now, this was just as I was starting my nutrition training. So you can imagine I had her on every single supplement possible. They were changing up her diet, trying to help her through this instant barrage of symptoms that most women tend to cycle through over time. Now, I know that when our bodies, our hormones, our detoxification is working better or working well, we can navigate PMS and all the other types of symptoms better. And I believe that really kind of holds true for menopause as well. In my mom's case, having taken synthetic hormones that the body doesn't, it works with, but also it has to store it, right? It's like any medication we have. Now, when you get backed up, you're not detoxifying. Maybe there wasn't enough fiber in her diet in particular. She wasn't eliminating all of her hormones. Then everything was backed up also. And that's how she ended up with all these extra symptoms. That's my theory anyway. Now, sidebar, if you want to understand a little bit more about that detoxification and even that drainage um, protocol and things that you can do there to help your body, then was it three or four episodes ago? We just talked about that with Coach Jason. I'm going to stop waffling now and introduce my esteemed colleague, who knows a lot more about this than I do, as she's been a woman's health expert in natural medicine for over 20 years. Naturopath Dr. Ginger Nash, she learned how to both assess and treat hormonal imbalances for women and girls of all ages. In fact, she loves working with women at times of big transition as there's so much opportunity for growth and healing. Now, Dr. Nash, she believes that there's no need for fear. Menopause is not a disease. It's a natural life stage that can be traversed beautifully if you have the right support along the way. So welcome to Eat This with Leanne, Dr. Ginger Nash. Tell us a bit about the work that you do and your fascination around women's health and menopause. Yeah, I um, have been in practice for 22 years, so it's been an evolving process over, over this length of time. And I would say that one of the things that I love about being a naturopathic physician is the constant learning that I do, um, both from my patients, uh, their experiences in their own bodies. And I think that's one of the things that really distinguishes naturopathic doctors um, is that we really take a lot of stock in what people are telling us about how they're feeling and what their issues may be. So I learn a ton from my patients, but then, you know, the body is very complex, as you know, and there's always more to learn. Um, so at the outset of my career, I worked um, for a company in Portland, Oregon, which is where I went to school, learning all the ins and outs of bioidentical hormone replacement. 
Um, I worked very closely with some really big people in, in our field. I was really lucky. I, I worked with Tori Hudson and David Zava of ZRT. So I really learned all about um, natural progesterone, topical, and all the bioidenticals and the labs and all that. And I spoke to hundreds, if not thousands of women. I went around the country lecturing. And what I kind of figured out by the end of that first year was, gee, I really don't want to spend my whole time career micromanaging people's hormone replacement therapy right? Yes. <laughs> protocols. So, yeah. so, you know, and this was 20 years ago when I graduated. So the whole like explosion of research in the microbiome and our gut health and how all that connects to our overall health, that was really an area I was a lot more interested in. Um, so got really uh, into nutrition and subsequently nutrigenomics and looking at all the genetic pieces and whatnot. But I also had the good fortune to um, have a, a, a co-student of mine when we were studying for boards the summer after we graduated, um, bug me to come hear this doctor from, that was coming from France, who was a medical doctor, but had been practicing homeopathy for many years. And he became my major homeopathic teacher, Dr. Gerard Gagnot, who has- oh passed away a few years back. I attended um, many, many of his yeah, uh, lectures. Yeah. And every time he was in Toronto, I was there. Oh, what, yeah. a, what a great, great mind and a great man. Yeah. Wow. And just such a heart centered healer. And really, I just dove into complex homeopathy and, you know, a way that we really didn't learn in school. Um, and immediately realized that, you know, there's a lot of foundational pieces that one can do to better their health before just, you know, replacing hormones or even right. replacing, you know, yeah. Uh, there's just a, a world and we can dive into that if that's of interest to the listeners, but um, you know, your audience, but yeah. that, that was certainly, it was, but it was great to have all that background in the hormones and really that sort of set me on a path to really focus on hormonal health and also not to take up too much time with my own story, but the way I got into naturopathic medicine was because I had a major health crisis of my own when I was 24. Wow. Um, I was studying the history of medicine. And so I, I was already interested in medicine and competing models of, of how to look at the body and understand it. Um, but then I had um, major hormone imbalances as the result of being on birth control pills for six years. Oh. And needed emergency gynecological surgery and lost an ovary and fallopian tube and had a really tough time recovering from that, even as a, you know, a woman in my mid twenties. So, wow. so I had that personal, um, you know, drive and mission to really right. focus and help educate women about their options and about how, you know, hopefully give them some ideas of how to address their health without, you know, suppressing their whole hormonal cycle with right birth control pills. There's always a drive that comes from something and very often it is a personal personal situation. So talking about perimenopause, which it feels to me like is a bit of a newer term that that's thrown around a little bit more or really you just tend to hear and how does that differ from menopause if we just look at those two basic ones? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think you're right. I think that even uh, in the last five or six years, I've heard that term a lot more, even though I was kind of aware of it from my, my schooling. 
um, which is great. Like the conversation around menopause is, is opening up a little bit more, which is fantastic. I'm always amazed at even women that I know that I consider, you know, really worldly and well-read and educated. They'll, they have no idea what to expect as right. the transition approaches. So perimenopause is really that period of time when I like to say the ovaries start to go into retirement and, um, <laughs> and it doesn't happen overnight. So it can be like, you know, three to even five years for some women. So, you know, most on average, the average age of menopause is 51. So 45, 46, a lot of women are starting to experience um, irregular uh, cycles or their cycles are just changing. Even if they're right. not irregular, they might be getting shorter. Um, which happens first before they lengthen out and stop usually. Um, so yeah, perimenopause is that period of time uh, before the menstruation actually stops. And you're not technically considered menopausal until you haven't had a period for one year. So a lot of women you know, may skip a month, a few months, and then get another period and then they're technically not menopausal, <laughs> you know, so yes. it's, it's, it's a moving target. You it know? is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I and can, that, re I can relate to that one person. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I picked the pandemic year to, to really go into deep into perimenopause. What good timing. Yes. <laughs> you know, like I picked another year, but it <laughs> is amazing too. I, I have to tell you, Leanne, like I, I see, you know, I, I don't see only women. I have men in my practice as well, but, um, I can say that probably 80 or 90% of my female patients have said they've experienced irregularities in their cycle this year, even if they never had before. So oh, the stresses of this past right. year have absolutely impacted our hormonal health and our hormonal balance. Mm. Um, but anyway, back to perimenopause. So perimenopause um, is technically um, a period of time where the whole connection between the brain, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and talking to the ovaries starts to shift. And um, you can get what are called anovulatory cycles where you're not ovulating every month. Yep. So it's only after ovulation that the ovaries produce progesterone. And so you get these cycles, these anovulatory cycles, which happen intermittently where you're having the effects of basically unopposed estrogen. It's really important to know that every tissue and every cell in the body that has estrogen receptors also has progesterone receptors because the two hormones act as, you know, sisters on either side of a seesaw. And they really, every place that estrogen acts to like stimulate, um, you know, glucose uptake in the brain or uh, stimulate cell turnover in the breasts and on in the uterine lining, every place that estrogen acts as a growth hormone, progesterone acts to calm that process down and to not mitigate, but, but balance, literally balance the effects of estrogen. So when right. women start having these anovulatory cycles, and of course this can happen before perimenopause too, sure. with, with PCOS or irregular menses for whatever reason, um, you're getting a lot of, of pretty intense symptoms of hormonal imbalances because you're getting unopposed estrogen, which can make you be, you know, irritable or moody or bloated or, uh, you know, gain more weight or breast tenderness or uh, heavy bleeds. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really, it is a bit of a roller coaster, the perimenopausal period. Um, yep. And 
And it's important for women to understand that it shouldn't be like a debilitating experience, hopefully. Um, but you are going to have some changes. You know, it is puberty in reverse. So right. you're going to have some days where you're like, <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I need to figure out how to get my head straight you know and yeah this uh, this may seem a little juvenile uh it's funny the way you describe it as two sisters and the first thing that pops into my head is Thelma and Louise (laughs) and uh and so in my mind estrogen is the crazy wacky sister And progesterone is that, uh, progesterone. Progesterone yeah. uh, is sort of the calming, level-headed. You know, make sure the taxes are in every year. That that's the the normal sister, right? And together yeah. they make a good team. Is that is yeah? Am I, I mean, kind of is, in the ballpark. I love yeah, that, Chris. That's amazing. I mean that that is you know that's an oversimplification, okay. but obviously it's a helpful analogy. It is. It's it's really it's really great, and we don't want to you know totally denigrate estrogen because estrogen is extremely important, right. um, and yep. and and it, it's most important actually in that postmenopausal period because women you know can go through menopause, they can have problems of low progesterone, but the women that I really see the women that have the hardest time going through the transition of menopause are women who have really, really low levels of estrogen when they come out the other side. Like at, at when you're technically postmenopausal or menopausal, when you've had a year or more of no, no periods, yep. you really should hit a new baseline where you're not Thelma or Louise, you're a whole new being. <laughs> <laughs> Your Wanda or something like that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, somebody, somebody's letting her geek out a little bit. Hello. All right. Now we're talking yeah, my language. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's you're you've stepped into a new place of power as a Ooh. woman. Um, you can have as much sex as you want without worrying about getting pregnant. Um, if that's your jam. Yeah. Well, does that mean that you've got past the lack of sex drive and dealt with the vaginal dryness, which is one of the symptoms that I was going to ask you about? Yeah. So libido and sex drive is, is one issue. Definitely. Absolutely. The, um, the lowering amounts of estrogen and specifically E3 estriol, which most of our estrogen receptors on the vulva and in the vaginal canal are estriol, which is a very safe is an, is an, is the, and that's the other thing about the, the Thelma and Louise thing is that, um, and I forget which one was Thelma and which one was Louise. So I don't, I don't remember either. It was Susan Sarandon, Thelma. She was Thelma. Louise was Gina Davis, all right? I re- all I remember is they both went off a cliff at the end. That's all I remember. So yeah. l- let's maybe, let's they maybe. They did it together. They did it together. Um, they were Wanda at the end when they went off the cliff. <laughs> um, but there are more than one, es- there's more than one estrogen. There's a group of okay. estrogen. So E3 that that is mostly found on the vaginal uh, receptors is a, is a less inflammatory estrogen, if you will. There's less problems with E3 in terms of the negative effects of estrogen dominance and too much estrogen. So, okay. so yes, as you're going through perimenopause and um, into menopause, some women with really, really low estrogen, Leanne, absolutely can have pretty intense problems with vaginal dryness, which isn't only going to impact your um, sexual activity, but 
you know, it, it thins the tissue between the urethra, so women can be more susceptible to urinary tract infections, mm. um, and you can develop more vulvodynia, which is painful um, vaginal and vulvar area, which, you know, can be really, really just a horrible symptom to live with, and I treat yeah. a lot of that um, as well. But, um, but yes, it should balance out at some point. And then there are lots of things that we can get into about ways to naturally improve estrogen levels without, you know, without using hormone replacement. And then there's some wonderful topical phytoestrogen creams, plant-based estrogen creams. So that return sex drive is something to look forward to. Yeah. And, and, and as, balance. yeah. And as far as the sex drive goes, it's interesting because yes, absolutely. Some women um, you know, have a decrease in libido, especially during those roller coaster years. But if you think about it, when you um, start to have lower amounts of estrogen and much, much lower amounts of progesterone, if your testosterone levels are healthy, because women have testosterone too, you actually have more testosterone relative to estrogen. So I have had patients um, that have told me, you know, perimenopausal or menopausal women that their sex drives are you know, sometimes stronger than ever. Right. Um, so it's not a guarantee that you're going to just, and this is something I really yes. have spent a lot of time educating with. You're not going to just dry up and yep. you know, that'll be, that's the end of life. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the way our culture really treats it. And of course it that's is. the way hormone replacement was created was by male medical doctors and male scientists to, to keep their women young and plump, you know, and, uh, right. and, and so it's really, it's really a, a, a terrible idea that we have in, in the culture that, that this is a, a death of sorts right. you know, yeah. when it's really not. I, no. I don't think yeah. in the 60 episodes we've done this, I don't think I've ever, ever heard that tone from you, Leanne. And that almost, that? that almost downward defeated, I am going to want to have sex again. Right. <laughs> 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 you, <laughs> well, well, Chris, we've also been living the COVID year, which is not true. the best. Yeah, yeah that's someone true. new. So I am single. So I say that not necessarily with experience of this exactly, but looking yeah. to the future to one day when I can get out of my closet and go and meet, go and meet someone that, yay, it's going to, you know. That might be oh, the no. most problem. Oh, well, first of all, when, when the numbers were going down in spring and summer or in, in the summertime, apparently the divorce rates went through the roof because people had been stuck at home uh, with their partners. So, you know, there's there's some upside to being, you know, like, well, I have heard that and not to completely get into my uh, personal life. But, I, you know, that would require going online and probably meeting somebody because I'm not going to trip over them probably as I take my dog for a walk. Right, and, right. But uh, I've had a lot of stuff going on at home. So my bandwidth for even considering going on a date Absolutely. is not there. This, However, not when, the I get there, when I get there, if then I want to make sure that my sex drive is ready to go. If you're tripping over somebody in your closet, Leanne, there's deeper issues here. All right. If some guy's hiding behind the sweaters right now, then we've got a problem. Sadly, sadly not. Sadly not. But I welcome, I welcome someone to hide behind my, my sweaters. I think you're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> or else you might have a problem on your hands. I might. I might. Can 
you imagine the message? Can you imagine the messages? <laughs> Maybe someone could just manage the dating app that I don't even know how to do anything with it anyway. I'm sorry. We never, <laughs> this does go off piece sometimes, no, but not great. this far. I'm sorry. Why, why is Ginger here? I forgot. I for, at this point, I've forgotten. Do, Dr. Nash, if you could just do me a favor and get us back on the rails, that would be great. Somebody here has to be professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh my cheeks hurt oh oh so i know fun. my cheeks hurt too that's good that's fun that's got to be good for the hormones right oh, oh yeah all totally. the laughter yep, yeah totally okay so some of the symptoms actually you know what let's go back because as soon as you said i can go into how to help balance your estrogen levels i think i just you know sort of energetically felt all the women's ears go oh yes quick can you please tell me that and tell me what to do so I just want to circle back um back there just you know top three things or something like that quite simple absolutely your show is eat this so let's talk about um you know therapy that we can do every day which is eating Um, (laughs) um and we should be doing every day multiple times a day one of my favorite ways to help women balance uh estrogen and progesterone is to work with essential fatty acids in the diet. Okay. So essential fatty acids are called essential because our body can't produce them themselves. They're found in a number of foods. Um, Cold water fatty fishes are excellent. But for those of you that don't eat fish or um, animals, I often recommend seeds and seed cycling as an excellent way to help balance Mm -hmm. estrogen levels throughout the monthly cycle. And women have, you know, really like there's sort of two phases of our cycle that the first phase, which is day one, when you start to bleed up to ovulation, which is around day 14. And then the second half of the cycle is the progesterogenic part of the cycle after ovulation from day 14 to approximately day 28. So I usually recommend that women um, cycle through different essential fatty acids let me just say a a, a quick reason that essential fatty acids are so important because they help both the production of hormones, the transport of hormones around the body and the binding to the receptor sites. So they, they really have an incredible range of action. There are certain essential fatty acids that are better at modulating estrogen levels. And those are flax seeds and pumpkin seeds. Okay. So I usually recommend like a tablespoon you know, a good heaping tablespoon of um, either flax or pumpkin seeds in the first half of the cycle. And then I'll recommend um, for the second half of the cycle, either sesame or sunflower seeds. Again, ground is a little bit better than, um, than straight, although so like tahini is ground sesame, but sesame and um, sunflower are usually pretty easy to chew and pumpkin, but flax seeds are really the ones that are the most important to have free ground or in a meal form, flax meal form. Yeah. And all of these also contain, especially flax, really high amounts of lignans and phytoestrogens, as I mentioned earlier, which are plant-based estrogens, which if you've got um, low estrogen levels, 
those plant estrogens will bind to the estrogen receptor sites and give you like a gentle estrogenic stimulation. Mm. If you're a woman struggling with estrogen dominance, which is very common because our environment is very estrogenizing, there's a lot of chemicals and plastics and things in the environment that mimic estrogenic activity. And this is, I'm sure you know, Leanne, a, yeah. a big problem for a lot of women um, concerned about inflammatory estrogens. But if you're consuming these plant-based estrogens, which are much weaker than you know, the body's own estrogen, those plant-based estrogens will bind to the receptor site and block the stronger estrogens from binding. So they really modulate, these essential fatty acids really modulate hormonal activity. In other words, if your hormone levels are too low, they can help raise them. And if they're a little too high with the specific inflammatory estrogen types, they can help lower that. Another Very super easy. easy thing that I love to recommend to women that have more of the estrogen dominant piece is to do um, a carrot every day. Maybe, That's yeah. Easy. Yeah, super easy. Grate a carrot, make a little grated carrot salad. You can either eat, eat the carrot straight, or if you want to get a little fancier, you can grate it and add a little bit of, um, little bit of olive oil, a little bit of sea salt, and even maybe a little tiny bit of uh, apple cider vinegar. So it's like more of a, of a salad. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a really specific insoluble fiber in carrots, in raw carrots, yep. um, that if you consume that, that can bind those um, inflammatory estrogens in the gut and help you move estrogen out through the wow. digestive tract. That I did not know. Yeah. So, so a little carrot salad every day is great. And then- yep. Another huge role um, of the microbiome and the gut flora is to help, you know, eliminate uh, metabolites and uh, excess hormones themselves. So I always, always talk to women about, you know, the health of their microbiome and whether they've been using antibiotics for any reason or, um, you know, if they've got dysbiosis, which is an imbalance in the gut flora, it's one of the tests that I often run is a, is a GI map where I look at um, DNA fragments of all the good bacteria, all the bad bacteria, parasites, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the gut so important. plays a huge role yeah. um, in hormone balance as well. So, um, you know, there are lots of different fibers, not just in carrots, but prebiotic fibers that feed the good bacteria in lots of different foods. So, um, you know, focusing on the diet as a, as an entry point to hormone balance is, is really important. Two questions here. Number one, if you like me have not had a period for months, then is there, there's a tie to the moon cycle. I definitely know that. I just don't yeah. remember off the top of my head what it is. And then let's say that you're you're not having regular periods and you're going for months without, do you keep on mimicking that 28 day cycle with the first 14 versus the second? Yeah. Half? Great question. Great question. Um, I think if you're ir irregularly cycling and you're looking to establish a more regular cycle, you can go by the moon, which is often what I recommend. So you can pick either the full moon or the new moon and start. Okay. Does it matter? Doesn't really matter. Okay. So there's, that's, um, that's your day one, basically. Yeah, either I mean, one, either I one of those. I remember having this conversation actually with Dr. Gagnon and I was like, but isn't new moon like more moony because it's dark, it's yin. It's like, so, you know, I used to bleed more on the new moon, but a lot of women bleed more with the full moon or, you know, yeah. any, anywhere in between. So it's really fine to just choose one, whatever's, okay. whatever floats your boat. But then obviously if you do get a period, you want to start that with day one. 
And then for the postmenopausal women, um, there are minor fluctuations, but it's nowhere near what premenopausal levels would be in terms of the estrogen and progesterone. Um, you know, we still do produce the adrenals, produce a little bit of progesterone. So I would say it's not as important to alternate. Okay. Um, just the very fact of getting plenty of essential fatty acids. And, and it's usually um, menopausal women. I, it's funny, I don't recommend as a supplement because I don't like to spend my supplement points on things that I think people can get from their diet. Right, very um, good. I yeah, I don't really recommend fish oils a lot for okay. supplementation. But when I do, it's usually either people that have really tenacious cholesterol problems or um, a postmenopausal woman that's really struggling with low estrogen symptoms, which, as you mentioned, vaginal dryness, but also the brain. The brain is extremely sensitive to low estrogen. Um, So women struggling with brain fog or word recall or memory issues um, this is another area that essential fatty acids, I mean, the brain is very fatty and we need healthy fats mm-hmm. um, for a healthy brain. So that's another connection. Huge one. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I've yeah. experienced all those things and yeah. sometimes <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So some of the other, some of the other, the other symptoms that you hear the most about. So hot flashes. What? What a What's symptom on there. What yeah. a symptom to have. Cause yeah, it's just it like, yeah, it's it, crazy. It is crazy. And it's a very complex phenomenon physiologically because it's, it's hormone changes. Any hormone change can cause a hot flash or a night sweat. I, I experienced them for the first time postpartum. Um, oh, yes. You know, so when you're, yes, I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any sudden fluctuation in hormones can, can cause a hot flash or, or a night sweat. It produces um, circulatory changes and changes to your nervous system, too. So it's a really complex phenomenon. You know, it's the hallmark symptom of of menopause or perimenopause. And really what that is, is back to that HPO axis that I mentioned, which is a, a shift in your hypothalamus, which is the temperature control area of the brain. Um, so that whole connection between the hypothalamus, the pituitary, which secretes all the hormones, and then the ovaries, as they start to change their receptivity to, to the changes to the stimulus of the brain. Again, I find that women that go through surgical menopause, like immediately have their um, ovaries removed, that's right. some of the hardest hot flashes to treat. Oh, wow. Because it's just so radical overnight or, you know, they've gone for chemotherapy or something and overnight they're, they're in menopause. So it's not like the body is trying to to get used to these changes over a period of months, if not years. So I definitely have a number of, you know, tricks up my sleeve, certain homeopathic remedies that I've used over um, the course of my career to help with that. But also it's not necessarily, it's uncomfortable for women that have lots of them and they're really, really strong, but you know, a little bit of hot flashing, a little bit of night sweats. Again, this is one of the symptoms that I'm like, Hey, this is part of what's happening. You're losing your period, meaning you're losing an extraordinary way that you eliminate toxins every month. So when you lose that elimination route every month, you're going to start sweating more, more of your toxins and more of your elimination processes is, is becoming more like a man, if you will. You don't have your period mm-hmm. anymore, so you sweat more. That's why women, right, right. women don't sweat as much 
because they're storing up the toxins in their uterus every month and then releasing it on a, on a monthly basis. Um, this is also why, why women who, um, I heard that, Chris. <laughs> I heard that. Well, see, my, my wife hasn't sweat a day in her life. She only glows, right? So, I mean, I've, so she, she's actually going to sweat once she hits menopause. That's what I'm hearing. She might. Um, <laughs> you're not glowing. You know. Dr. Nash said you're sweating yeah. now. <laughs> I love it. like roses and jasmine and it will all be okay (laughs) it's just absolutely so good so one of the others one of the other symptoms is of course the anxiety and the mental health aspect of this chris really hit the nail on the head here this is the thelma and louise phenomenon progesterone when you start losing that radical amount of progesterone you can get migraines you Big can time. get anxiety, yeah. um, you can get all kinds of things. And by the way, I, I do want to mention so that this isn't lost on the listeners, but I'm, I'm not like totally opposed to bioidentical hormone replacement. I, I just don't use it as like a first line therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have had women successfully do that. And, you know, it, it requires some testing and to make sure that it's safe. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of women that have tried lots of other things and, you know, for, for, especially for hormonal migraines that develop at perimenopause, you know, some natural bioidentical progesterone can be like a lifesaver. Cool. And it can also be the same for anxiety. Um, it, it really can calm the nervous system and progesterone is used as a treatment in traumatic brain injury and concussion and Uh, So progesterone really does have an amazing effect on healing the nervous system. So that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I I tried CBD. Actually, I was trying, I was trying it for um, a head tremor that I have, Mm -hmm. but actually kind of found that, oh, I don't think I feel quite as tight in the chest. Yeah as often and then I put two and two together more after the fact so that was you know that was really that was really interesting and I don't think think I've I've had um, the migraines have started um, more of late or there's a certain headache that comes and there's no pill that's going to get rid of it you just got to ride it out it's just you know I take extra liver support and all those kind of things so it's uh, that's uh, that's being helped helped now thankfully but one thing another thing that I did go through was of course putting on weight before we get too far away I just want to mention in addition to CBD there's just some other really awesome oh thank you supports for anxiety and for the nervous system in general and for headaches you know really simple super safe things like l-theanine and GABA um, and are amino acids yeah amino acids which are just can also work real wonders for certain certain people that don't need, you know, a migraine medication or major intervention. Um, And then, you know, 5-HTP, melatonin is also, you know, a super uh, powerful antioxidant. It doesn't just help for sleep. Mm -hmm. So there's lots and lots of tools we have to address hormonal headaches and anxiety, you know, naturally. Mm -hmm. And I, I do a tremendous amount of that. But yes, the topic of weight gain at menopause is absolutely um, on the forefront of lots of of women's minds. Um, And I do want to say that part of that is, again, something um, we cannot hold ourselves to the weight we were in our 20s and 30s sometimes. No. We probably wouldn't even want to. Yeah, no, we wouldn't want to because what we have to do is 
where a lot of um, the estrogen production comes from in the body postmenopausally is um, from fat tissue. Um, so there, there may be, I mean, I've certainly seen, and I like to tell myself this cause I've gained 10 pounds in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, but it's, it's, it's made me have a pretty good transition through menopause because I don't think estrogen is as plummeted as other women that I've worked with and women that are really, really lean sometimes have the worst problems with memory and with hot flashes, as I mentioned, and and just Mm -hmm. some of these like really big issues, vaginal dryness, et cetera, you know, they're hormonally depleted. So a little bit of weight is not such a bad thing. I mean, obviously you don't want it um, around your organs and there's ways to, uh, you know, identify that, but yes, insulin resistance can also occur more commonly with the perimenopausal changes. And so there are, again, things to do to optimize. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you should just let yourself, you know, gain weight indefinitely, but if you put on, you know, five to 10 pounds and you're healthy and all your labs look good and you've got enough energy and you're not struggling with a lot of symptoms, then so be it. Nice. But insulin resistance can definitely come up with uh, stress hormones, which, you know, also have to compensate. I often use the analogy of a, of a mobile. The whole mm-hmm. endocrine system is like a mobile. So when any part is moving, everybody else has to compensate and adjust to get pl- back to a place of balance. So we're not just talking about changes in sex hormones. We're talking about changes in hormones like insulin, changes in hormones like cortisol, and sometimes even um, DHEA and all those stress hormones that can impact your metabolic state as well. If a woman has gained weight, you know, check out what's going on with blood sugar, check out, you know, do a fasting insulin test and see if there's you know, ways to manipulate the diet and, or again, back to the microbiome, there's a whole connection between your gut flora and your metabolism and your mental health. So the gut brain axis and psychobiotics, that's one of my favorite words, are all the, um, the bacteria that have an effect on the mental health and the function of neurotransmitters and whatnot. That also ties into sleep too, because sleep tends to go out the window (laughs) or a good night's sleep or a full night's sleep or, you know, all of those kind of things. And that, that, that's hormone really. Yeah. You absolutely want to look at the cortisol 24 hour rhythm. And, and again, melatonin is a, is a wonderful hormone to check levels of. It just decreases. I take melatonin every night, my two or three, two or three sprays. And, and I don't think I need it for sleep. If I don't take it, I still sleep, but I know the benefits of it for immunity and and everything else. So we've really focused a lot on, of course, all of the symptoms that women have, which is very typical. And I just wanted to get a little something in there for the, for the gents out there about the man. Oh, pause. Yeah. Because this is an equal opportunity podcast. And I know I also have, we have a lot of male listeners as well. Well, and and while I think this is so beneficial to speak to everyone out there so you can support, you know, whether you're a woman yourself listening and 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 you need that, but also for us to know that that men go through uh, their own sort of change, if you want to call yeah, it. That. Yeah, changing testosterone levels and changing estrogen levels. Again, just as women have testosterone, men have estrogen problems and imbalances in testosterone and and estrogen can absolutely affect the health of the prostate gland, affect sexual health, um, and affect the brain. You know, estrogen has the same effects 
um, as a growth hormone in, in men and testosterone as well. But, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, fatigue, muscle wasting, depression right. um, for men during andropause or manopause. So I know there are definitely, you know, I have some colleagues um, that I usually refer to actually for um, men that are struggling at at that stage of life. And, and even younger men, there's a a notion, I don't think this has ever really been studied because where's the money in this study, but um, but there's supposedly a, a cycle that men have too, but it's a, it's a solar cycle as opposed to a lunar cycle. So it's, it's more of a, a 72 day cycle apparently. And it's the period of time um, that spermatogenesis is like the time that a, a sperm is made and then made mature over 72 days, which I just think is interesting. And like, wouldn't yeah. it be cool if men could start to think about their own rhythms? I mean, women are much more aware that their body is changing on a monthly basis on a roughly 28 day basis. But right. Um, you know, men have mood swings too. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First of all, I've got my my new favorite word, which is spermogenesis. Is that what you said? Spermato- there, yeah, there you go. Spermatogenesis. Spermatogenesis. That is very cool. And I am very aware of my body because every time I look down, I can't see my shoes. <laughs> Uh, so I know something's happening. <laughs> yeah. And testosterone is really important for both men and women to maintain, uh, you know, not just bone health, but muscle mass. And yeah. the more muscle mass that you can build, the more you burn calories sitting around on the couch. So this is, you know, an important thing. Um, <laughs> okay. We need know. to get deeper into that thought. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would have thought that estrogen to the brain would be a good thing. Like the more I'm thinking, like if I thought more like a woman, my life would be easier. I know that. <laughs> well, I think the effects of estrogen are just, they're, they're not as potent as they are. And, you know, women have higher amounts of estrogen and right. it's just a it's a different relationship on the seesaw there. Men, men could do with a little bit more estrogen to the brain. I completely agree with you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I, I, like we could keep going for a long time, but, yeah. you know, let's. Well, you'll we, have to we, have... We, we, I will absolutely have you back on. And I've already thought of another topic uh, for us to discuss. So thank you so much for your generosity with all of your experience and your expertise, because it's an interesting time in a female's life and it affects everyone. I really hope that this helps women to not feel alone because it is, it can be a time when we know when we kind of do. How can people find out more about you or uh, if they, maybe they want to reach out. I know that you're, you're in the U S and we're um, in Canada anyway. My practice is in New Haven, Connecticut, but um, I was already doing lots of telemedicine um, because I, do a lot of podcasts and I've done a lot of education for practitioners and people around the country and throughout Canada. Actually, I used to think I needed to get a t-shirt that said I'm huge in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) You are. I have that t-shirt. You can borrow mine. (laughs) (laughs) Because I used to teach for Soroyal and they're based out of Canada. So I've done lots and lots of seminars, um, all throughout Canada, but, but I have, uh, my own personal website, which is just gingernash.com. And then I also, for my 50th birthday, which was a few years back, I 
um, started a second business called Feminology, and that is a group um, about women's health in particular. And we have a wonderful Facebook group. Um, just look for us, Feminology, on Facebook. There's a page and a group, so make sure you find the group if you want to join. Um, we talk about a lot of things that we've touched on here, but also Great. women's health in the context of our culture and women's lived experiences in their bodies. So it's a really fun group. And Love it. Um, you know, Thank it you. keeps me busy in addition to my practice and yeah. sky's the limit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to see you again, Ginger. You too, Leanne. Thank you so much. And great to meet you, Chris. You too, Ginger. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Dr. Ginger. That was absolutely incredible insights and even the uh, the off-piece bit into my own <laughs> and some good giggles there where both of our all of our cheeks were, were hurting. We, I, we, we didn't just fall off the rails, man. We took a whole other vacation. We totally yeah, did. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And that's a whole other episode, but I, maybe not one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. I think we. I think we talked about enough today. If they could see the the different shades of red that you went when we started talking. Oh, I had about a hot flash. <laughs> I, I was flushed, flashed, glistening. What did you say? What did you say about your wife glowing? She glows. Yeah. I had all of it. I had all of it. <laughs> going on at the same time my little closet here just got a whole cl- lot more claustrophobic than it normally is as soon as we got on that one holy smokes <laughs> oh never a dull moment honestly so I believe as with all things which is why I do what I do that the more knowledge and understanding that we have I think the easier we can navigate some of these situations in life so that's my takeaway anyway so I hope all that Ginger shared really helps you to understand the Thelma and Louise, the the two sisters on the um, on the teeter totter yeah. on a seesaw, and then also what she brought about the menopause, like every seventy two days. So guys, like maybe put a little alert in your uh, in your phone and just say, hey, what's going on for me? Have I got all crabby and all that right now? But otherwise, I really just wanted uh, wanted everyone to have a lot more information about this. And of course, you can get in touch with Ginger to find out uh, any more about that. She mentioned her Facebook group. Now, I have a friend who uh, and colleague who started a a Facebook group, which is not necessarily locally. It's on the web. It's called Peak Well, as in P-I-Q-U-E, Well. And that's been a tremendous support for so many women as well. Now, on my diet journey, I stuck to the paleo diet. And then also I started doing some intermittent fasting. Now, we didn't have time to get onto that with Ginger, but it certainly is something that that, um, that helped me. And you can find out more information in the show notes about those two and actually look out for an upcoming episode on intermittent fasting because that's one that we have not talked about just yet. <laughs> If you'd like to find out more about Dr. Ginger Nash, head over to gingernash.com and under the same name on social media. If you need some more information about the supplements, Ginger talked about the microbiome, so you can head to sproutright.com and check out the BioBoost there. That's that's the probiotic that I that tests out the best and that I use the most. I personally take something called Dong Kwai. You'll find that on there as well. And also she mentioned about taking your essential fats. So that's the Omega Boost. So head over there and 
and have a look. And uh, and I just want to say, share this around. I would say we say this every week, and I'm so grateful because I do hear that people share the podcast. And I think as soon as someone starts to mention maybe anxiety and they're sort of in their 40s, they're kind of coming into that perimenopausal time. This would be so useful for them to hear before they're in the thick of all of it. And also, of course, to hand it over to to the gents that are in your life, too. Thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful. Chris and I are both so grateful. I'm going to talk talk for you, Chris, because we've got such great loyal listeners and we love what we do. We have such a good giggle here while we're all learning how to navigate life together. So thank you, Chris. Thank you everyone else for being along. And please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. 